Welcome back, listeners. My name is Sam Klinger, and today we're listening to Shad Morris and Ben Cook discuss Ben's work as a peace and conflict resolution specialist and mediator in Africa. Ben is a law professor and the director of the BYU Center for Peace and Conflict Resolution. Welcome to iHub. This is Shad Morris. I'm here with Ben Cook. Ben Cook and I go way back. We've known each other since seventh grade and uh, have taken slightly different career paths, but similar in many ways. So I am a professor of business in the business school, and Ben Cook is a professor of law in the law school at Brigham Young University. Before this time, Ben has been working in development, international development, particularly around peace building and conflict resolution and how to help individuals, organizations, governments overcome some of these major barriers. We're going to talk with him today and learn a little bit about how we can, as students, as global citizens, make a bigger impact and some of the stuff they've been doing. And so, Ben, before we begin, I was wondering if you have any interesting stories you can tell us about yourself like that are unique that maybe other people don't know. So I do work in East Africa, primarily Rwanda and Uganda. And one time I was in Uganda and went to see the mountain gorillas. And there was a small group of us and a guy from the Netherlands was in our group and we were, we could take pictures, but we weren't supposed to use flash. And this guy took a picture and his flash went off and the big silverback gorilla came charging at us. And when a gorilla charges, apparently you're not supposed to run. And we were told that, but when, when a gorilla is running right for you, usually the only thing you can really think to do is run. So everyone just took off running for our lives through the through the bushes, and the guide was yelling for us not to run. And thankfully, the gorilla was content to see us just run away. But one of the scarier experiences of my life, I think, being chased by a silverback gorilla in the rainforest of Uganda. <laughs> Actually, I can think of another experience you had. So Ben it was also, I think this was in Uganda as well. They were uh, out in a sort of reserve park and they were out walking and uh, an elephant started chasing him and his wife and chased them to a tree and they climbed up this tree and the elephant started pounding into the tree and this is when he thought his life was going to end but luckily the elephant uh, got a little bored with the tree and decided to stop any anything else you want to yeah, add on that? well yeah it was in zimbabwe oh, that was zimbabwe yeah, I guess I would just want to clarify that um, not all of my experiences in Africa were being chased by wild animals, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, you know, probably says more about our own stupidity than, than anything uh, in, in those scenarios. But it, it is one thing I, I love about Africa, just uh, incredibly beautiful animals, beautiful people. It's been a really privilege to be able to work there. So Ben, as a law professor, did his law degree at Georgetown University, which is a known for its international law program and has a lot of experience internationally. And one of the things that we are seeing now today in today's world is a lot of conflict and sort of divisions, apprehension across different cultures, between groups, between peoples in, in different countries, and in many ways a lot of fear right? This is a big issue. And I think a lot of people, especially students today, are very interested in building peace and how do we bring people together? How do we resolve conflicts that 
crop up within nations or across nations. And Ben has devoted a lot of his life to figuring this out and, and trying to help in this way. Especially if you're a, a pre-law or a law student, there's a lot that you can do. And so this is not just to students who are interested in international business, but international everything, because there's a huge role. So Ben, if you could tell us a little bit about what you do, and then I'll ask you a little bit about how you got there, but maybe some of the programs you've done in building peace in Africa. So right now I teach classes in negotiation, mediation, conflict resolution, and peace building. And I direct a program where I take university students to Rwanda and Uganda, and we learn from Rwandans and Ugandans about efforts they've made to build peace in their countries. And especially in Rwanda, uh, we learn about the genocide and post-genocide efforts to build peace there. Over the past several years, I've worked in Rwanda with in the justice sector, so I've done a lot of training in mediation. You know, in mediation, you have a, a neutral third party that's sitting down with two parties in conflict and helping them work that out. And there's a real advantage to a court system to have a well-functioning mediation program because some conflicts are, are better off in courts, but there's a lot of conflicts that can be resolved a lot more quickly, easily, and for a lot less money through mediation. One of the real benefits of mediation is it, it has a sort of a, an emotional human component to it. So, you know, if you go to a court, a judge just wants to know what are the facts and what is the law and how do those two relate. But in mediation, there's, you know, we can talk about the facts, we can talk about the law, but we can also talk about uh, why you're angry. And, uh, and you can, you know, work with parties and help them share that with each other and, and come to resolution. And so I've done training, training judges and lawyers in, in Rwanda how to how to do mediation. I've worked with the University of Rwanda's law school that has a mediation clinic, and I've done some uh, training to help them get that clinic up and running. Mediation clinic in a law school can be really helpful because it's training law students how to be mediators, and then they can provide usually free mediation services to people in their community. And so it's, it's a really helpful access to justice tool in a lot of places around the world. And so it's been exciting to kind of be a part of that as, as Rwanda has, has developed that as well. Now, you also do this in the U.S. And, and all over the world, right? So why Africa? Why go to Africa? Why not you know, focus on the U.S., which is where you're from? Yeah. So my wife, uh, when, I met, when I met my wife, she had been doing work in Southern Africa, and I was interested sort of generally in inter international development, but I didn't have an area of the world that I had any experience in really, and uh, so she got me interested in, in Africa. And initially, uh, before I went to law school, uh, I was doing graduate work in international development and education. And so my thesis research was focused in Uganda in the education sector there. And so I had spent a number of years kind of in and out of different countries in Africa, you know, primarily focused on education and development. And then ended up deciding I wanted to go to law school. I felt like law would be a better fit for me. And, you know, I wanted to be involved in contributing to helping in some way promote development in, in uh, different countries in Africa. And after law school, I was sort of looking at ways, you know, how, how I might get involved. And I was working at Harvard Law School, uh, running international programs, and ended up training as a mediator there. And then kind of in the course of doing that and, and working as a mediator, I met an attorney from Nigeria who was doing a doctoral program at Harvard, and we both had some interest in mediation, and we had this, as we collaborated a bit, we had this idea that, you know, that there's a lot of law schools in the United States that have mediation clinics, 
law schools in a lot of countries in Africa, they'll have sort of these general services clinics where people are providing legal aid services, but it wasn't very common to have a mediation-specific clinic. And that was, that was one way we thought we could provide some, some assistance in you know, our experience in working with a Harvard mediation clinic. We could take some of that experience and do some training with work with law schools in different countries. We uh, worked with a couple of law schools starting in Nigeria and then uh, had an opportunity to start doing some work in Rwanda. So yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think mediation as a tool to resolve conflict can be useful wherever you are in the world. I just, I had a prior interest in Africa and, and my colleague had some connections in Nigeria. So that's sort of how we got started. Fantastic. So you've worked with judges, you've worked with lawyers, you've worked with law students and, and helped develop programs in law schools here in the U.S., but also in Africa. What are some of the things you teach about how to build peace? What do, I mean, how do we do this? So mediation uh, requires a high level of um, effective communication, and there's a range of skills that you need to be able to communicate effectively with people who are in conflict. So, you know, for example, as a mediator, you know, you have to be able to listen really effectively. And so part of what you're doing when you're training people in mediation is, you know, uh, what does that look like? How do you listen? What do you do when people are really angry or they're really frustrated? You have to have a certain degree of emotional intelligence as a mediator because you're reading parties, you know, a lot of nonverbal communication, you know, it's not in what people say. And, and, and it makes it difficult doing it cross-culturally. You have to be really careful. Stuff that might work in the United States culturally may not be very fitting in you know, a place like Rwanda, for example. In, in the U.S., it's really common in mediation to just ask all of the parties present to go by first names. Mm-hmm. That's not something common that you would do in, in, in Rwanda, right? There's a, sort of a higher degree of formality, and people actually be uncomfortable. You know, in the U.S., we do that because we want people to be more comfortable. And if you insist on first names in Rwanda, it you know, sort of makes people feel uncomfortable. There's lots of little cultural differences like that you need to be very careful of. I found it really helpful to make sure I cultivate strong working relationships with local partners there before we just kind of, you know, plow forward with a model that might have worked here, but needs to be adapted. You have to be careful in, in the way you're you're presenting it, taking into account a lot of the cultural differences. So this is interesting, and I think a lot of people will be interested. So we know that there was some major conflict in Rwanda not too long ago. Right. How is that country doing now in terms of their ability to resolve conflict? And what are some things they're doing that are helping them move beyond this this genocide that occurred yeah i mean rwanda today is a really beautiful place you know it's it's hard to believe the genocide happened in 1994 and just one of the most horrific things you can imagine and when you go to rwanda today i think people are really struck by how orderly and clean and safe and you know the economic development there people are really friendly and welcoming and very kind. And they had massive challenges in, in the immediate aftermath of the genocide to process, you know, as far as justice goes, because there were so many people involved. And so how do you administer justice when, you know, you don't have really functioning courts and lots of judges and lawyers have been killed? And they ended up creating a system called gachacha, which was kind of informal community court of sorts. So they'd appoint a panel of judges that were people from the community. 
and then kind of had elements of like a truth and reconciliation kind of thing. So people would come up and present information that they have and, you know, give people a chance to either confess or defend themselves. And um, it was kind of a rough measure, you know, and, and some people would criticize criticize it, you know, as lacking in protections, sort of basic protections that you might have in a more formal court system. But it was a it was a massive challenge, you know, and it, you know, often I think people look at it as maybe the best possible thing that could have been created under the circumstances and then you process just thousands and thousands of people. That was happening for a number of years after the genocide and allowed people to, to start moving forward. And, and, and I think they're very careful these days about tribal identity. Mm. You know, the, the main conflict was between mainly, you know, between the Hutus and the Tutsis. And I think Rwanda's trying to create a national identity as Rwandans. Mm. And so when you go there, you know, it's sort of impolite or taboo to focus on tribe as, as, as a type of identity. And and there's lots of really amazing local efforts that people are making. I mean, we work with a man who started a school, the Peace International School. You know, he lives in, in a small community and he brings together kids who are both Hutu and Tutsi. And in addition to sort of regular education curriculum, they have a, an emphasis on peace and teaching kids to, to live together. And, and that's one thing I've been really impressed about is just sort of people's capacity to forgive especially in spite of the really horrific things that had happened, and to be able to work uh, to work together to rebuild their society. One Another really interesting thing they do is the last Saturday ever, every month they have something called Umuganda, and all businesses are required to close for a certain amount of time, and people in their local communities will get together and do sort of community building projects. So it could be you know, cleaning, you know, picking up trash, building drainage ditches, building schools, things like that. And the idea is to kind of bring people together with a common purpose, also making the their local communities more pleasant places to live. And then they do a number of remembrance things to kind of keep the memory of what happened alive and, wow. and you know, sort of this never forget never kind forget. of idea in, in hopes of not repeating mistakes of the past. Oh, fantastic. Okay, so real quick to sum up, maybe one, two, or three key takeaways of how to build peace. So peace happens at a number of levels, and I think one of, you know, one of the most important things we can do is find a way to, to be at peace with each other at an interpersonal level. When war breaks out, you know, it's sort of a lack of interpersonal peace at, at, at a large scale. In, in the classes I teach, you know, we usually start by talking about, you know, how do you resolve conflict just at an interpersonal level between you and me? And then, you know, and then eventually get to talking about you know, how do you resolve conflict at a larger, when it's larger scale. And, and there are some differences between those things, but but really fundamentally, it's it's important to at least start with with that foundation. And and really, you know, the key there is, is to see other people as people. And when we stop seeing other people as people, when people become objects to us, us, that's the beginning of conflict and, and the absence of peace. And once, once you know, your fundamental mindset, the way you see other people is one where you see people matter like I matter, that can drive your behavior. So the ways that I think to speak to you and, and act toward you end up becoming much more peaceful than if I see you as less than a person, right, and as, as an object. And then, and then you build from there. Thank you very much. This was Ben Cook. We were interviewing from a law professor studying and doing work in peace building and conflict resolution. Thanks. Okay. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. And we hope you can join us again next time on The Human Edge. 